You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yep, yep. All right, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Welcome, Greg Hectus. Hey, guys, how's it going this week? Atlanta Dega. Justin Pearson. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. And Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, hey. On the show tonight, we talk about everything Atlanta Dega, the new Delara Dash, and the Gen 4 series and an absolute massive amount of hardware and software to pick through. Pull up a chair and join us in the lounge. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. Before we jump into the news, we've got a Coke race to cover. Kick us off, Mike. Yeah, uh, we got Coke at the new configuration of Atlanta this week. Uh, Derek Bardot, I'll uh, remember from two weeks ago, is not in the race because of his uh, wrecking under caution uh, incident at the Milwaukee Mile two weeks ago. So uh, he's uh, not on track. But after they got started, uh, actually it took quite a, quite a bit to get started. I think it was about 10 pace laps before they finally got the race started. I, I'm not sure if, if those were TV pace laps or what was going on, but we got it rolling. Ryan Luza, he leads it by lap one. It was only .001 over Malik Ray as it was big pack racing, three wide lap after lap, maybe eight deep. Uh, at one point, the top three break away a bit. Luza, Bose, Conti. The center lane eventually disintegrates. Too wide now for the pack. Breaking breakaway is gaining, though. By lap six, Keegan Leahy breaks loose. Graham Boland's on the apron. It was four wide, but they save it. They stay green. By lap 11, there's two distinct packs. The lead pack and a second one, two and a half seconds back, led by Caden Honeycutt. Yeah, by lap 12, Alan Bose takes the lead uh, with the help from Malik Ray. Uh, by lap 16, new leader Garrett Maines takes over. Lap 24, uh, Malik Ray takes the top spot. Uh, they stay green. Uh, they hit the quarter race mark at lap 25. Malik Ray leads after a push from Casey Kerwin. A third of the way through the race is gone. Dylan Duvall has control of the top spot, and Bowden leads the bottom. Things look chill for the moment. When will they pit? <laughs> And because of the big pack racing, you were just kind of waiting for that caution, but it just wasn't happening. And uh, you know, everyone's just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. And then who wants to pit early? Because you never know. Um, the other thing I'll point out is when they were in the pack racing with three wide, the bottom lane pretty much has to cut the, below the red line at, in the dog along the front stretch through the dog leg there, uh, or quad oval or whatever you want to call it. Be just to make enough room for three wide because, uh, and I just wanted to point that out, um, they're definitely going below the line. 
for Derek Justice and Matt Busa fans, they actually lost the main pack. We're trying to work together, and at lap 31, uh, the 31 car went around. No caution, but they're both screwed without a yellow. By lap 48, another close call. Somehow they all saved it, but Jimmy Mullis gets the worst of it. He's now down multiple laps. Just past halfway, and Dylan Duvall has been leading for a while now. The bottom hasn't been able to prevail for some time now. Pit stops are imminent. 27 in the lead pack at this point. Dylan Duvall was looking really good. I was really rooting for him. He's been hot all last year, and he's been knocking on the door, and I was thinking this is his moment. All right, 36 to go. Green flag. Pit stops were underway. Looks like about six or seven cars ducked on the pit road. Uh, the pit, which... You know, that's why they're changing in real life. The pit entrance were chaotic. Uh, commercial breaks right during green flag stops. That's awesome. Like timing couldn't have been worse. After stop, 17 car pack up front uh, with 30 to go. Duvall, Bowden, Ray, and Kerwin, Lowe, Lopez Jr., Leahy, Maines, and Wilson. Caution with 25 to go. Uh, Bowden is around. Colin Bowden, Ryan Luza, Caden Honeycutt involved. Oh, we finally get that caution, but uh, obviously stops got done there uh, beforehand, so it all worked out. And then we have a restart with 21 to go. It was the Beaver Esports, uh, Malik Ray and Garrett Lowe leading the field in the turn one. It was a crazy restart. They were three and four wide, and then quickly another caution. 19 to go, it was Colin Keister. Restart lap 15, Stephen Wilson and Jordy Lopez lead the field into turn one. And quickly, caution with 14 to go. It's the big one. 11, Parker White got pushed into the middle, faded back, but Kerwin was getting pushed by Femiola up the middle, hit Parker, and it was on. Yeah, big one. Um, I was actually watching Casey Kerwin's stream, which is really entertaining to watch alongside the broadcast. Um, for one, the stream is ahead. Uh, his uh, Twitch stream's ahead about 30 seconds. So I saw the caution there before I saw it on the broadcast, but... Anyway, uh, it was just one of those racing deals, but the, the middle was just no man's land. If you got pushed into the middle, you're going back. It was a restart, 10 to go. Steven Wilson, Jordy Lopez Jr. lead into turn one. And caution, five to go. That's the second big one of the night. The 23 went from the bottom to the middle. The guy went behind, went up way up high. Uh, they touch, and it's just a big wreck. All right, green, white, checker, number one, Wilson, Lowe, Salas, <clears throat> Lopez, Jr., Bolin, Gasly, Cozy, Jr., Keister, and Duvall. Garrett Lowe, the leader, goes to block on Salas, <clears throat> but it's too late, and he gets turned. Caution. What do you think about the leader uh, blocking, I mean, switching lanes up front? Uh, it's, it's always a roll of the dice, but uh, this guy, I mean, he just took it, and uh, obviously it, it was too late. Too, too little, too late. It definitely seems harder with this car. We mentioned in our group chat yesterday or the day before, you, ha you have to have a decent lead to be able to switch lanes back and forth. So that brings us to overtime restart number two. Steven Wilson, Jordi Lopez Jr. lead the field. I want to stop and say Jordi Lopez is a uh, rookie, and he's up front at the end of the race. Bottom was looking good on the restart. The outside actually fades. Uh, they made it to the white. The second line was coming, though. They go three wide. Keister looks like he can do it, but Wilson wins. Checkered flag. Steven Wilson wins at Atlanta. He holds off Keister by .03 uh, for the inaugural uh, start at the new Atlanta 
reconfiguration. Uh, the third gear driver is already a five-time race winner, good enough for ninth on the all-time win list. Well done. And he's picking up right where he left last year. I mean, Steven Wilson was one of the cars to beat almost every race, especially at road courses. I mean, he really excelled, I think, at Coda and some other places, but on ovals too. So uh, nice to see Steven Wilson, uh, you know, continuing that, that, that good form. Uh, you think Atlanta Dega is a good track for the Coke series? I think it fits this style of racing. Um, short distance, you know, they, they kind of shortened the distances recently. Um, I don't know if I really like that or not, but, you know, it's a NASCAR call. But no, I think it worked out good. Let's open up by starting to uh, discuss this new user guide feature that shows um, the future of iRacing and, and the iRacing web. Um, instead of reading it word for word, I can basically sum up what we have here on the notes in that they are going to sunset the classic website completely and build a new iRacing web unit that is for editing leagues and uh I guess profiles, what was it? Basically you can allow, it can let you do things such as managing teams and leagues. Yeah, that's it. And then- Stats. Yeah, st probably should be able to look on the stats there. Definitely. And it's basically gonna be designed for when you don't have this service installed, all the stuff that you would still might wanna look at when you don't have the service installed. The iRacing web will only be supported on a PC browsers uh, mobile browsers is not supported. Uh, if you try to use a mobile browser, it'll direct you to the app, which the iRacing Companion app for a better experience. But it's just, you know, offline iRacing stuff. You can look at your content, you know, you can do this or that, you know, look at your stats, that kind of thing. Um, and when you buy content, you'll do it through what they call iRacing Web. And then they're still trying to rebrand the beta UI to a different name and just call it iRacing is what they want to call the beta UI. And then the actual sim they call iRacing simulation. So what would be the reason um, they would get rid of the classic member site, the website and create a whole new website? Um, is it just too outdated? What's the reason behind that? I'm guessing that it's more of a, I'm, I'm, they're going to port what they have, so to speak, port or copy. And it's probably just easier just to start over. And it sounded to me like it's a whole new link. It's not even the same link as before, which was members.iracing.com. They indicated, somewhere I read it indicated it would be a different link. Hopefully it's a smooth transition and there's no problems. <laughs> All right. So next up, Mike, I think you like to run a lot of Delara dashes. So to take this one over. Um. Beginning with season two next week, the Delara Dash is now gonna feature a different car, the IR01 with the new oval package. Schedule is updated and can be seen here. And wow, I did not expect this. Um, I guess it makes sense with all that's going on with the IndyCar licensing, the Indy 500 licensing with the MSG and all that stuff. Um, why not 
you know, remove the IndyCar from the Dallara dash and put in a Dallara IRO1, especially with the new oval package and try to get people to run it. Um, I do like the, I do like it. The schedule is interesting. To me, Dallara dash has always been uh, a switch between two or three races, uh, two or three different tracks. They don't really do a full schedule like a 12 week season. But that's what they've set up here is like a proper schedule, a different track every week, all 12 weeks. And it's still unranked, correct? Yeah, my understanding is it's still unranked. Um, so, yeah, I've run this twice. I was very interested, uh, Charlotte. And uh, I won the second one. Um, I was in contention for the first uh, start. And it's a blast, guys. I mean, once you figure out what the car is capable of, you're in seventh gear, you're flat, you're just lifting going into the corner to about half just briefly, and then you're right back to full throttle. So it's almost full throttle the whole way around, but you do have to lift, which creates passing opportunities and that kind of thing, and line matters, and uh, it's it's really hard to drive. And I, I the other feedback I, I had was the gearing feels super light for a car this big and heavy and with the amount of g-forces that are going on the steering felt way too light we're getting complaints in the gen 4 with that exact statement look at week 12 look where they're that's a uh, they're going on the big track i racing super speedway wow so when i was in one of these races i had a conversation with a guy I'm trying to remember his name, but he is the king of Delara Dash. Um, he wins them all. He wins all of them. Like he he spends all his time in there. I think his name is Kevin. Kevin McCarthy. That's that's his name. Kevin McCarthy. So I talked to Kevin McCarthy and I basically interviewed him. I was like, you know, Kevin, you're known for winning all these Delara Dashes. You have more wins in this series than anybody. You're always the car to beat, no matter who shows up how is this change affecting you? And he was, you know, of course, surprised. He wasn't expecting it, uh, but he's uh, excited for the new opportunity to see if he can, you know, kind of replicate his success uh, with this different car. Um, so, you know, I, I, I said, well, RIP, man, to your record, <laughs> at least for now until, uh, you know, he get the handle on the new car. But, uh, Kudos to Kevin McCarthy for, for having such a record in an unofficial series. All right, McKenzie, we've got a new patch coming out. The first one for season two. Yeah, so uh, this, this patch includes updates and fixes for the 2023 season two release, as well as the official release of the Gen 4 Cup car. So uh, iRacing has static assets and series standings. Changes have been made to resolve sporadic failures when loading standings, time attack schedules, some layers of track maps on the classic member site, and in iRacing, as well as some scheduled data from iRacing Live. These errors were occurring due to a misconfiguration on the content delivery network, allowing this data to be catched without the necessary headers causing it to fail. So I actually did try looking at like the standings and stuff, and they seem to be working. It's not, not showing up anymore, so... They heard they heard Donnie and I talking about that, and uh, boom, there it is. I'll have to look at standings now and see if it's fixed. I wonder if they fixed the uh, division though, where you can see what place you are in what division. No, they they didn't fix that yet. 
but at least you can actually go on and see them. It works, Mike. Right. Uh, yeah, the, uh, some other fixes in the simulation, as they call it, um, with the new damage model, fixed a damage data processing issue that could cause cars to become outer space vehicles. They did some Spanish spotter and Portuguese spotter changes. I'm looking at the Gen 4. So when I went to run the Gen 4, Mike, I couldn't understand why my paint wasn't showing up on the car. So essentially, through this patch, they reverted the ARCA car back to the ARCA car, and they kept the Gen 4 car like they said they would, and it's under a whole different listing now in your uh, My Content. So you'd have to actually go to Trading Paints and select Gen 4 Cup to actually put a paint on it. I see. So I need to get into Trading Paints and do that. I know I talked to Bobby, our team painter, and he's uh, working on a Gen 4 paint for me. Nice. It's It was fun. Some little changes to the Delara IR01. The additional gear options been added for Super Speedway. Steering ratio is adjustable now for fixed. Setup's updated. Yeah, they changed the late model stocks um, steering their maximum wheel rotation. And I guess that was from feedback from Dale Jr. I don't know if that has anything to do with the grip that it had, um, but they've done some stuff to the car. Well, Justin, this isn't a change yet, but it's an interesting suggested change. What do you think this idea that Andrew Binog has? Yeah, Andrew Benoff uh, asked in the forums, can we please bring back the 2003 Cup Series rules for the Gen 4 Series? Lap cars to the inside, no lucky dog, and racing back to the yellow. I have not ran these cars yet, and that that's pretty neat. So for you two that have been on much longer than we have, how easy is it for them to change parameters like this um, like racing back to the yellow uh, for each individual series uh, per track you go to. I honestly don't remember if there ever was racing back to the yellow. We've on never I, had that. On I, yeah, iRacing came on after that change uh, was made. Yeah, I'm curious because in the 87s, I didn't run the, the regular Week 12 series, the 87 Legends, but when you get to NIS, I guess it followed NIS rules and it confused a lot of the the the, the usual 87 runners because I guess there it's single file. Um, you don't get your lap back. You get the wave around, but you don't get a lucky dog. So it would be nice if they can revert back to the, um, I don't know if you want two series running single file research. So. Well, that's well, interesting because you shouldn't even get a wave around. If you're on the tail end, you have to start behind the base car in front of the leaders. Yeah, and that's what we would, that's what they do. Unless you, I can't remember if they didn't do wave arounds back then. No, they didn't. If you were, if you stayed out and the leaders pit, you started in front of them on behind the pace bar. You, you didn't get to go around. You're right. And they had the lap car starting on the inside. I do remember that. So, so the deal is with that is if the lap car can get in front of the leader and then the caution comes out, the pace car picks up the leader. So the lap car gets to get his lap back. Yeah. And you would so do that easily because the, the, if the leader was running back to the, to the start finish line under yellow, they kind of would just get there. And then the lap cars would be hauling ass to try to beat them back to the yellow line or start finish line to, to stay on the lap I or remember. to get their lap back. Yeah. You'd let, like have a teammate who is going down a lap. You would slow. So you would let him get in front of you before you get to the line. What do you guys think about racing back to the yellow? 
I'd love it. It's not, it's oh, never been a good safety idea. No, I'm just thinking about, you know, a big, it doesn't give the guys incentive to lift when a big wreck's coming. Yeah, and there's arca breaking's already bad enough. We already have that incentive, though, Justin. <laughs> because well, of the way the cautions don't come out and things, yeah. you know? Yeah, that happens. Cars yeah. spin low. If, if cars get spun off the surface and you check up, you see five cars blast by you and you have to run them back down and then they race you like they are actually faster than you. It's interesting, but this, this series has been out a week and so far, uh, so good. We'll see what changes they do to the car. Um, let's just see how this season works out and see what they can do for the future. So I've always understood that once a season starts, a 12-week season, they can't change these kind of parameters on the fly. Um, maybe they can now, but I don't think they used to be able to do that. But I, I'm kind of surprised. Like, why wouldn't they start the Gen 4 with the 87 rules already instead of starting them with modern NASCAR rules? I mean, because well, we Gen run 4, those 87s. Yeah, they're, they're Gen, so similar. Gen 4 went into the modern rules. So, I mean, Gen 4 spanned almost two decades. Yeah, but as far as these rules go, like lap cars to the inside on the restart, single file, uh, you know, lead lappers on the outside, no lucky dogs. Um, so we that's how that we run it in 87. So I kind of assumed we would just get the same rule package in the Gen 4, but it wasn't the case. Yeah, that change happened during like the two-thirds of the Gen 4's life. So Gen 4 lived several different uh, rule packages. They actually ran the modern rules towards the end of its life. So I guess it kind of fits for now until they I guess change so. it. Yeah. This, the date here doesn't really work so good because 2003 is actually the year the Lucky Dog rule came into place. All right, 2002 then. All right, Donnie, looks like we've got some contests to, for season two. Season two, 2023 brings with its great opportunities to win great prizes from companies like Butt Kicker, Sim Magic, Moza Racing, Extreme Sim Racing, Rick Motech, Falcon Tire, Goff Reality, Next Level Racing, and Pure Driving School and Sim Lab. So through a yeah, through an, a post by Angela, I haven't heard this name in a while. Angela Tagar, she's a staffer. Tagariello. I'm gonna butcher that name. I apologize. But um, yeah, so Butt Kicker is giving away ten Butt Kicker Gamer Plus units with haptic connected software. Now you can enter to be one of 10 winners and all you have to do is race how to enter. Just place the butt kicker logo um, found in iRacing's paint shop on any car in the primary location, race at least 10 official races in 2023 season two, and you're automatically entered to win one of the 10 butt kickers. And I'm assuming that's what's going to take for all the other ones as well. So through our, um, you can't find it through iRacing, go to our uh, website, click on the show notes, click this link and it'll take you to the forum page where you can read about how you can win something from those companies we listed below or above, or I mentioned above. This is pretty neat because you just pretty much need to go into paint shop, put the logos on the cars, run your racing like normal, and and it just automatically puts you in the drawing and so forth, and you may win. And honestly, it's a no-brainer, right? Because we all run training, we all run training paints anyway, unless it somehow cancels that out. Because if you just it run, doesn't. okay, then just throw a logo on there. It's not you're you're right. Nobody's going to see it because everyone runs trading paints, but you do it for the, just to get the, the contest, you know, just to be in the contest. So it's almost like, which one do I want 
to uh, go for. There's so many good choices on here. Yeah, a lot of good prizes. All right, this next one I kind of find interesting. Anthony Alfredo tweeted this, and I've heard it talked about on several of the other shows that I listened to this week, that Pit Road has been moved. And basically, it's all the way in the backstretch in turn three, and that's where the speed limit starts, in fact. And they're just having to do this because there's not enough apron to pull off the track when you're run, when you're running in this pack three wide. And I, um, we managed it last night, but this is still not a bad idea. And I would like to, I would love to see iRacing implement this. I'm curious to know if this is the longest pit road now with this turn three implication or implementation. You're losing at least, I would think two laps, if you pit under green here. It's got to be close. I mean, the only things that probably can compete are the are the super speedways. Yeah, at least those are much bigger. So hopefully, you know, you don't get caught up too much. But that's interesting. It's definitely would help us on the iRacing world because people are going to be pitting from that second lane, cutting down on the pit road under green here at Atlanta. But um, I'm just curious how it would work. Now, do you think they thought that okay, maybe the commitment line? has to be at the beginning of turn three, but the speed limit line won't be until you get to the pit road. Cause then, then I can see people trying to push it too hard and then wrecking back up onto the track. Well, um, you don't want them racing on the apron, spinning out and washing back up into the track. Like two races in one. Yeah. It would cause problems. Yeah. It probably needed to be up to have the speed limit on the whole thing. It's funny mentioning those shows, David. I, I was listening to DBC and TJ Majors was certain they did this last year. And I thought, how would you not know that they didn't do this last year? If you're the spotter. Yeah, just that picture alone. You're like, holy crap, that's that's odd looking. Yeah, he was definitely an error there, wasn't he? But that's unusual for him to actually take a position. I know they probably don't listen to us, so we can trash talk them all we want. <laughs> I don't know. Truth be told, that is the best of all the podcasts. I love the kind of like us. It's an ensemble show, and those are always the ones that I think are most entertaining. Yeah, I listen to them all too. I, I have my favorites here and there throughout the week. Sometimes they change. All right, Mike. Um, does Sprint Car need some love? Yeah, I think so. So does Nick Nebon Five. Uh, he's looking for some love with the Sprint Car, and it's asking for racers to join him on Tuesday nights for an SOF race. Um, he says, we're currently in a very positive era in iRacing where they're listening to community feedback. Help me push this sprint car to get some love and join us Tuesday nights for racing. And he's got a forum link where he's basically begging for some tire updates, uh, on this car, basically. And, and he's, he's saying official racing. He wants to Tuesday nights to run this car officially. Right. Exactly. Like an SOF race. Um, and I, I actually uh, did this not last year, but the year before for uh, season three, I ran the sprint car and tanked my I rating bad run in this car, but it was fun. But when you get in those SOF, SOF races, there's about a dozen guys in there that are super fast and it's impossible to be good uh, against them, but it was fun. I love this car. The craziest SOS I've ever seen is actually jumping in an A open on a Monday night before a Coke race. Well, I tell you what, Gen 4 Monday night, I think top split was uh, 7,000 SOF above 7,000, uh, one of the highest ever. 
yeah. there were like seven, 800 people registered. They had actually pushed that beginning start time back to the next slot because they weren't ready. I, I don't know if they weren't ready for the amount of people to sign up, but um, they not everybody was able to get in. So it's Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern that he wants everyone to try to join up. He's got setups available and everything um, in the forum post. But the idea is let's drum up some participation. Guys, this is a dead series pretty much. I mean, there's just barely hanging on. And um, I can't tell you, this is one of the funnest oval cars on the service just because the level of difficulty um, in how to drive it. So if you haven't tried it, you should. All right, this next one we can almost take as kind of a round table, but uh, it's always interesting. We're always wanting to compare the sim racing to the real racing. I know I've gotten to run one car. Um, we have uh, real-world Formula Ford driver Brandon Lee, and he says that the iRacing version of the Formula Ford feels like the real thing. And then we also have a, a twit, a tweeter, a twit, a tweet, my goodness, a tweet with um, the side-by-side -side of the Formula Ford and a real Formula Ford. Yeah, I like it when you can actually see real-world validation coming through these Twitter posts. And there's also an article here about Max Esterson, and he was actually involved in the development of the Formula Ford um, 1600 uh, testing for iRacing. Um, so they did have some real-world drivers running it. Um, but it also details his recent experience in the car in the real, in the real world as well. Those tires are tiny. Narrow. I think that's what the cup car needs to make it harder to drive. If you watch the video, I think it's cool. If you watch the hands, you know, how they turn the steering wheel compared to each other is about one to one. I, I think that's cool. Like every bump moving the hand, you know, one way or the other. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. The real video looks a little bit more aggressive, but but it seems to be one-on-one, -on -one, just the movements alone. I think the real video just looks like that because the it looks like he's probably got a GoPro or something mounted to the side of his helmet, so it's just bouncing around more. Well, and the car yeah, is actually yeah. bouncing, whereas the other guy, you're seeing, you're seeing the video, in-game video. You're not seeing whether he's in a motion rig or anything like that or how high he's got the force feedback turned. That's just the, the, the simulator wheel that you're seeing. Yeah. Also, this like the speeds of the car. The they're in the same. He's in the same spot of the track almost the whole video going around. Turn one at Brands Hatch is gnarly. All right, here's a big one, Mike. We're talking cheating in sim racing. Yeah. This was a conversation in Discord actually uh, in our iRacers Lounge Discord channel, and if you're involved, you were probably part of this conversation. Now, I picked a few. Uh, quotes out of that conversation to try to get us going on the topic. Uh, it all started with Jimmy Broadbent actually putting out a video this week uh, talking about cheating and sim racing. Now, he's not really talking about iRacing, of course. He's talking about a set of Corsa, Competizone, and uh, for the F1 you know, 2022 game, apparently. Uh, anyway, he said, here's the quote from Dr. Orzy. He said, Jimmy Broadbent asked, if iRacing is seriously the only legit sim out there currently, I know we can easily be pegged as fanboys, but just look at the facts. 
Sure, iRacing had its own cheating scandal through Daytona, but that was actual drivers and teams doing unethical things. It wasn't people with cheats opening up a third-party app to gain more grip or physics advantage or other non-cheating competitors. I know iRacing isn't perfect, but do know they are pretty stringent with anti-cheat. I hope they use all this current crap as a heads up and even focus harder on this, on this side of things and keep the cheats out. Is the massive prize money the, that's on offer these days the only cause? And is it just going to get worse? Do we end up with a scenario where every Joe Blow is opening up a third-party app, tripping over each other to buy cheats and hacks instead of setups before joining a race? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm glad we don't expect I'm glad we don't experience it here, and I hope we don't in the future. Well, one yeah, of the I things, that like, ma- sorry, one of the things that makes ahead. iRacing a, a big advantage with the subscription model is they're always constantly updating the software, so that makes it harder to put in a hack because they can. First of all, they're watching their servers a lot more closely than probably these other software companies are. So once they have their their yearly or or whatever release out, they stop giving a shit. Right, they may patch it a couple of times, but they're not constantly building and building and fine tuning and catching things. So that's the advantage of having a subscription based service. It just takes exactly. Oh, go ahead, Justin. No, I was just going to say it just takes the fun out of it. You know, I kind of enjoy the emotion of iRacing. You know, the ups and downs. That's what brings me back. Yeah, I always tell people, Justin, if it was wasn't hard, nobody would do it. You know, it it's hard, and that's why you're you're coming back because when you do win one of these races, it's saying something. We had a, a quote from the Discord on Christopher Dahlstrand, and he pretty much said what David said. So I'm not going to repeat it, but. Uh, He said, we pay for a subscription, which ensures we have enough staff and resources to take care of the need. We also invest more in our accounts, so there is more on the line for us when it comes to racing clean, but also when it comes to competing clean. Yeah, you're right, because you can lease all this uh, material, right? But they can just ban you if they want for you being a shit, dirty driver or whatever. And you're racing under your real name. Racing under your real name. They won't give you your Your money back. Yeah, and so uh, the, I'll, I'll sum it up the story with uh, a tweet from Haroslav Hunzik. He said, I must say I'm hurt with all these cheating problems in Sims, and especially now as it hit ACC as well. I literally caught myself yesterday racing and thinking, what if the guy ahead of me cheats as well? I don't want to think stuff like that, and I haven't for years. What to do? Well, I actually replied to this guy, and I said, well, you need to get on iRacing. Yeah, he's uh that's Jardier. He's he was a part of the All-Star series in the the Porsche series last year, I believe. Now, did we talk about what what kind of sparked this conversation last week? Did we cover it or was that did that break after the show? After. I don't know if we did. Yeah. That one of the uh yeah, so what happened is one of these streamers, these pro eSIM sport drivers he was, you know, preparing for the race, loading a set or whatever. He brings up a Windows Explorer window on his, you know, stream, and it shows these different executable programs, uh, you know, maybe 10 or so, with very, you know, obvious names like Grip Hack or something like that. And then it what happened a, is... It was a guy from Williams Esports. 
yeah and they so he hit it real quick and then his rate his face got all red and then like the next day he puts out a statement saying oh i'm working with acc on a uh, investigation into these third-party cheat apps behind the scenes that's why i have them blah 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 now acc is not confirmed that that's the case or not and so the sim racing Twitterverse is a little uh, kind of back and forth. There's people that are calling him a cheater, uh, and other people say, you, "Look, you don't really have proof. You know, maybe he's telling the truth about working with ACC, uh, and you shouldn't be saying that." And so there's a lot of that. Uh, he said, "She said" going on. Well, there's no, there's no. She said right now. He's the only one saying it, and since AC has been quiet, or ACC has been quiet. Well, Mac, one of the things or one of the places that you really don't have to think about as much as cheating is iRacing. And we have a series that you can now qualify for pretty soon. Tell us about it. Yeah, so iRacing put out a tweet. They say, think you've got what it takes to compete at the top level of our off-road series. Hop into the Pro 4 off-road racing series and see if you can qualify for the championship series later this year. $25,000 in prizes with no sponsor. I don't think they don't have a sponsor. So um, pretty cool. I mean, they're going to take the 12 uh, top uh, racers from the last year's championship. They're going to take 12 new uh, people. Uh, Those new people will be determined by who the top 12 are in points in the pro four trucks open over the eight weeks of this season. So starting uh, immediately, um this week uh you need to be in the pro four trucks open and trying to get into the top 12 in points all right and as we talk about the off-road championship we have the uh actual series championship series listed as well right donnie these are the same story oh okay so this is just the actual schedule then yeah this is basically what i just read off where you know the top 12 are going to be able to go with the existing 12. And if you look at the forum post, you can it has an, an the entire uh, yeah, like I said, schedule. A lot of repeating. It's pretty cool. We have up to we have four tracks that they're rotating. So with eight yeah. weeks, you're going to each track twice. Actually, what I'm looking at is twelve weeks. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Each track three times. Oh, I see it. And as we're talking events, next up, I'll kick, I'll pick this one up because I'm running it. We've got the uh, 2023 Sebring 12 presented by VCO. It's going to be the IMSA cars. If you don't know what that is, um, we, we go over it all the time. Uh, it's the new IMSA cars. It's got the new BMW hybrid. And that I know that's what me and Greg and Tom are planning on running. It's going to be running the same stuff that we have. Um, the three time or the four time slots. And if you're talking GMT, that's 22, 7, 12, and 16. Got to have that D 4.0 license. Uh, the sim time of day setting is 9.30 a.m. So it's going to be daytime for most of the race. Probably it'll run a little bit into sunset, even though daylight savings time is in effect. 30-minute warm-up, attached qualifying. Uh, at Team of Fit, there's no DQ limit, but there's a stop and go the, after 50 incidents and then every 20 after that. There has been some balance of power added, and at a glance, um, they've added a lot of weight and taken some power from the Audi, uh, taking a little bit of power from the BMW, 
They cut the fuel on the Ferrari. A lot of weight to the Lamborghini in power, about the same hit as the, the Audi, which is interesting because I've heard a lot of people say those are basically the same car. Then the Mercedes has lost lost some power and fuel, and the Porsche got hit with the biggest weight penalty at 15 kilograms and a cut of 1% fuel capacity. One. housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it join us over on the discord channel and get involved in the conversation or check out the script on the website irisserslounge.com we're in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network all right how'd everybody do on their fantasy this weekend that was an interesting race. I I was going up, going down. Um, none of my drivers crashed, but I ended up finishing 31st, I believe. Ouch. Yeah, I got the top 10 here, or top five. We had Trick Dickle in first at Phoenix, Res Dog second, JTC 11C in third. And then check this. We had a tie for fourth, a four-way tie for fourth, all with the same 263 points. Conklin Speedworks, North South Racing, Rop Racing 77, and Mason Racing. And finally, in fifth, uh, Boats and Hose. Eighth. Well, I guess it would be eighth. But if they're tied for fourth, doesn't that put him in fifth? No, I guess it doesn't. Otherwise, you'd have like 14 people in the top 10. The highest of our team looks like 13th with Tyler Williamson. Tom Dryland in 15th. Nick Spiker, 16th. Now I take issue with with even some of our teammates saying that the, the the race wasn't good racing, considering we had a true long run versus short run event, which is what I kind of want to see because it's what I what I I look for at i racing too. I don't want them to to always be wrecking every twenty laps, or or you know, and your fast car is going to be your fast car unless there's. We had tire fall off in in situation. The long run car, Kevin Harvick, he he made the pass, and then basically the only reason he lost is because of the late caution. Yeah, you know me, I love the long runs. Longer the better for me. Um, Corey LaJoy on his podcast kind of explained it the best I heard all week about why you shouldn't think it's boring. But I don't know if uh, as the crowd base gets younger, they'll think with that mentality. I'm not sure, but. But I enjoy it. I enjoyed the race. I, I don't know what people have a problem with usually, but we have to have a problem with everything. So I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. It's not younger problem people. Joy. It's not younger people complaining that it's boring, though. That's true. 40 and 50-somethings who think that, that everything was perfect in the 70s and 80s, you know, when there was three cars on the lead lap. I mean, that went into the 90s. Let's be honest. Like, I remember watching, a, I think it was 98 or 99, Jeff Burton win. I think it was New Hampshire. Don't remember the race, but he won wire to wire. I don't think there was a caution entire race. And I was a teenager. I sat there and I, I enjoyed it. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Well, that was, was a specific race where they tried restrictor plates at a short track. So it must have been New Hampshire. Yeah, that's what happened that, that year. An, another, an, another evidence why restricted cars at short tracks is dumb. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you, David, especially on the service. I... Not that it's because I'm better on the longer run. I just enjoy it because I actually might want to make a green flag stop every once in a while. You know, not every freaking two months, it seems like, with the NIS series. But, yeah, longer longer races, 
caution free. Okay, it's a quick side topic, Denny Hamlin. Um, if you're in iRacing and you intentionally wreck a guy, but you don't say out loud that you intentionally wrecked him, then it might be viewed as an iRacing incident or just a racing incident. But if you go over the chat and you verbalize, like Denny said, that, oh, I meant to wreck him, does that put iRacing in a box where they have to penalize you no matter what because you said it? Yes. <laughs> but here's, I don't know, I, I still don't buy that. He did that on purpose. I think he, uh, he did it. He saw who he hit, and he's like, and I think he tried to be a man, for lack of a better term, and then uh, claim that he did that on purpose. I don't know. It just looked odd. Well, something you can do if you're pissed off at a driver is you don't you can't you don't necessarily have to hit him on purpose, but you sure can be a lot more careless around him, right? Oh no, I I drove into that corner a little bit deep, or or um, it it just gets a little tight because you drive you know you're driving a little bit deep and you door them. Um, that's different than coming under caution and and torpedoing somebody. I liked uh, Dale Jr.'s take on this, where he said, "Look, you know, it's a." Uh, two days later, the event's over. The guy should have some freedom of speech. You know, he should be able to have, say whatever the heck he wants on his podcast without, you know, penalty, you know, kind of thing. And I kind of agree with him. I mean, times have changed a little bit. Did Kyle Larson have freedom of speech after his incident on iRacing? Yeah, good point. Right. There, there's a social line, though. Yeah. I think he might have crossed that, but. There, there. It was definitely a more severe incident, but two days later, and not at the track, I don't think excuses it if you go ahead and admit to it. I was watching some podcast, and someone used the analogy. It was a, it was a girl, and she says, "Where, where do you draw the line?" You know, if he announced it two days later, one week later, you know, if he was in the final four of the championship, yeah, exactly. Uh, where is that line when you know the driver can be honest? Dale Jr. on today's episodes admitted to hitting somebody on purpose. Do we go back and change the records? All right, penalize him. Let's He's say retired. the line is after the following week. I don't know if you have to draw a line somewhere. Unless you're right hooking somebody at 180 miles an hour, then you know. Just don't key up is what the lesson learned here from Denny Hamlin. Don't key up. That's a good title idea. Don't be up. And it wasn't even that awesome for him to to man up and claim. Like it was, ugh, it just made Ross look like if he uh, actually says that their beef is over, then Ross wins that rivalry hands down. And I think it was on the Dale Jr. download too. I just watched it. Another angle to look at is, you know, it's not allowing the drivers to be honest. You know, Denny's got this podcast. It's very good for NASCAR and they're taking that away from him. You know, he can't be raw with true emotion. That's what the viewers like. And I just think it's a bad look. You know, he could have um, known the law a little bit. He could have admitted to it without admitting to it. In essence, it's the way that you word it, right? Innuendo, you know, yeah. Kind of how what David was mentioning earlier, but a little you can still take it a little bit more aggressive and and lean more into implication, but not necessarily admitting to it. Either way, win win for Ross.
Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 five years will this computer run iRacing not now all right it's time for hardware software featured and sponsored by Metro Ford we're going to kick it off with some reveals of the cube controls sp01 take it Mike well it's not really well it's a reveal and that's what they call it but these pedals from cube controls have been shown to us two sim racing expos ago so that was a long time ago they never came out and now their social media is pretty much promising an imminent release and in fact the second video shows the price reveal which is going to be 1100 euros now these are not hydraulic this is load cell 1100 dollars for load cell i'd call that too much yeah, it's too much, and, but I love how they look. They look great with that blue color, and I mean, that's what, it's eye candy, and that's that's what drew me in uh, originally to Cube Controls. Their entire brand is eye candy. So I'm just looking at the, the date of the video. It's six days ago, and it says they're, uh, they're one week away from launch, so launch day should be tomorrow then. Yeah, we'll get reviews probably next week um, would be my guess. Yeah, week next week or two, they'll definitely work their way into the uh, review section of our hardware. Speaking of reviews, uh, Donnie, we've got an Astatec Forte F1 wheel that's being reviewed. Yeah, the Sim Circuit. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of him. He's great. He's new. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. He basically opens up the conversation by saying that he purchased this wheel on his own. He goes over how much it cost. I didn't catch where he's from, but it cost him about eight hundred dollars total or whatever denomination where he's from to be able to get this wheel uh, ultimately he liked it uh he said amazing wheel loving it solid wheel really liked it a bit disappointed about the color so the color i thought was so what you see in the thumbnail is what he got those are the colors but when he went to purchase it all the knobs were orange and it had a lot more color to it so when he opened up the box he was a little surprised that it had very little uh trim color uh, to it as well but overall he liked the wheel um, even though he said when he was holding it and he was twisting it, giving it a lot of force, he can feel the, the grips twisting. And if you remember from these Tech videos in the past, those grips can come off and you can interchange them with whatever. They're like a two-piece rubber that you screw in, which eh, um, I'm not a fan of that for quality build or build quality. But he, he liked it. But he's paying $750, 800 for this wheel alone so in my opinion for if that was paying that much for the wheel it'd be a little overpriced because when he holds it it almost looks like a toy but i'm gonna go and um, plasticky. it's plastic it looks plasticky even in his hands i'm not holding it but when he holds it it just looks like a toy uh but it's he is the sim circuit and I'm going to look him up right now and actually give him a follow because he was completely honest. He uh, And you guys would be surprised um, how many of these reviewers we watch and we put faith in 
actually charge the companies for the reviews. Um, but when you see somebody like this who's purchasing the wheel, it gives you a little bit different perspective. Or that, yeah, like Carl Gosling, he does that a lot. He buys it and then he'll sell the equipment after the review. Yeah, I, I listened in and tried to place his accent, and it, it sounds UK-ish, except he's talking really slow. I've never heard anybody UK talk that slow. So I started yeah. UK, and then I went Eastern European, so I don't know where he's where he's at. I, I looked on his YouTube channel. It says he's from United Kingdom. Oh, there you go. So I also was, I mean, that was the big surprise to me is the color scheme change because um, he showed a clip from the original videos of the owner of uh, Ace Attack showing off the products that we got back in, I think, December. Um, and I remember those videos, and they had all that, or all the knobs were orange, and it had a lot of, you know, offset black and orange, black and orange, and it looked really nice. And this one's a lot more toned down. You only see orange in four spots on each side. Uh, way less than the original one. If I had purchased it and it wasn't the same exact thing that was sold to me on the website and on the videos, I would have been pissed too. You know, you mentioned that, Mike, and in his video, as he's describing that, he cuts to the actual Asetech video of the guy telling you about the colors and how the wheel looks. I thought that was very clever. Yeah, yeah, good, good video. We have a second video about the same company here, our friend Dave Cam. And he has the Asetech uh, wheelbase, the big one. And uh, no, it's the middle one, I believe. And here's what he said. It looks great. The fit and finish, it's a quality product. Performance, he said, it outperforms the SimuCube Pro. Dave Cam is ready to buy it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised that, you know, it's not the first time we've heard in recent weeks that this wheel outperforms SimuCube. Isn't it basically SimuCube IP? It is. And uh, and they must have, per they've done something to make it better than what SimuCube's offering, apparently. Or is it is it a placebo effect? And it's cheaper. There you go. I mean, I really respect everything Dave Cam thinks, but, but that you, something, you claim something like that and it's hard to eliminate placebo effect unless you're really swapping them back and forth and doing some scientific studies. Yeah. And he's going off of just a feel. Um, but we've heard other reviewers say similar things. And so there was also a difference in slew rate. Remember that was one difference between the wheels, um, apparently, but I don't know if, if I was buying today, I would be considering the Ace Attack along with the SimuCube based on the reviews. What about aesthetically compared to the SimuCube? SimuCube nah. looks a lot better, I think. Just going to yeah. say, there's no way. It, it's industrial. It's, it's simple. It's sleek, you know. I don't need my... Never mind. You don't need the fancy LED? No. <laughs> I mean, I like the LED stuff, but I don't need it on the wheelbase, no. I'm always worried about that we, since I'm racing in VR all the time. It's like I gotta get, I gotta have all the lights. Then you got the nice flutes going down the edge. I mean, it, it's stylistic. I mean, it's for it's for somebody. Well, here's the thing: is it going to offset? So right now, before this company came on into the scene, I, I you know I, I think it's a given that SimiCube is like the the end all be all of where you would end up with a wheel base for most sim racers across the board, and so. 
is this company going to offset that that uh, them on the throne of that you know as far as hey this is the one you want to achieve for i'm always a fan of competition whatever pushes companies to get better is is always better and you know fanatic is no uh no slouch but probably knowing what i know now if i wasn't really completely invested in the ecosystem it would be in, I, I might not make the same choice oh yeah absolutely but back when you bought your wheel though david direct drives were new it was a very new thing then you know and uh the scene's different now yeah i was super happy with my direct drive the, the, the only thing from fanatic that i'm really down with is their shifter um and the buttons on the formula wheel all constantly break so i've just stopped replacing those but the the wheel itself um, and the the base have always been really consistent for me so i've been pretty happy with them all right justin you get the next one we've got a some kind of i guess it's a gt wheel actually yeah it looks like we got a rim here where it's a yeah, a guy's got a post here saying, while work on the project continues, enjoy a couple more photos of the Caravango's GT steering wheel in Alcantaria. There's a lot of words there. Yeah, expected retail price is going to be eight fifty. dollars um, 300 millimeter. It's got a great look to it. I it, it's different than the standard formula wheel or GT wheel. Uh, it's kind of a long and narrow, I guess you would say. It's almost and it's got a like hybrid a padding. It's literally it, almost a hybrid between the between the two, because the top is right. more like a formula wheel and the bottom is more like a a GT wheel. You know, it looks, usually, a, it looks a lot like the the Tesla Plaid wheel if you guys have seen that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not a, typically a fan of what I think would be a futuristic design, but something about this wheel is calling to me, and I think it's what David's saying. It's almost a hybrid of both the GT and the Formula wheel. It's all—it's got the kind of the padding in the middle too, which is unique. I've never seen that really on a Formula wheel. We see that on oval wheels all the time, where you put a padding in the middle. Um, but yeah, I like the look of it. You know, it is single paddles on the back. You know, it'd be nice if it had double paddles at least. But, um, yeah, pretty cool. They have a website, caravangoes.com. They actually have pedals too, by the way. But I thought I'd showcase the wheel because the wheel, like you said, Donnie, it calls to me. It's got this look, you know. Like you said, I don't know if it's a futuristic because it's a blend of two different styles or the padding or what, but I like it. It's got a tag of minks in the in the um, at the name up there, so I wonder if it's from Belarus. Well, the website, uh, hmm. yeah, I can't tell where it's from. All right, we're well, moving back into the SimuCube environment. Uh, SimuCube has posted an Instagram video that has some quick tips on their new active pedal system. They've also unveiled a new base plate for the Huskinville pedal adapter kit. So uh, I, I see some excitement right out of Donnie. So. T talk to me that just looks massive it looks huge i, I can, i'm looking down man tony's gonna have a great time with this episode in my mind i can see i can hear it already um i'm just looking down at my pedal plate that thing is massive so i would have to bolt somehow down in there but i guess it'll work so is that three different uh pedals on that picture yeah you got two heiskenfelds and then the one semi cube in the middle okay so for the break yeah 
And are they promoting that you don't need three of them? We don't really need one for the gas or the clutch to, to, to be true. I wonder if they're having a hard time with their selling their three pedal set and they're just giving up and saying here, this is what it could look like. I would love to have these. So I'm, I'm going to jump ahead. I mean, there's a different video down the script from uh, Daniel Morad where he reviewed these pedals um, and he was given a set early on and he's got brake and throttle. And he said he's happy that he's got one for the throttle because he likes to match it up to his real cars, uh, throw distance, how, how far does the, the pedal actually move, how much resistance it has. He can tailor all these different things uh, with the software um, and basically simulate any car in the way the pedals behave. Uh, glowing review. Obviously, he's sponsored by SemiCube, and he does state that, and they, he got the pedals for free and so forth. But, uh, yeah, what's neat about Daniel Morad's video is he literally go, sits down and goes through the software with you and shows you the curves of the pedals and stuff. And he talks about why he sets the curves a certain way. He's like, oh, this default curve is no good. This is not, I would never run it like this. This is what I want, what we need to do. And he, he shows you how he's adjusting it. So if you did have these pedals, I would strongly recommend getting that video and, and trying to learn, you know, how to, how to manipulate these profiles. Very cool. The, the base plate is massive. I got to say that too, just like Donnie did. When, when Daniel Morad shows it on video, he's got the two plate, he's got it like on a table. He doesn't have it mounted yet, but he's got the big base plate and he's got the pedals on it. And this thing is long. It's like, I want to say three and a half feet, four feet long or something. Like if I put this on my Sim Labs P1X, it's going to stick out beyond the end of my rig. That's how big it is. Well, if you look at the, at the pedal base for the Huskinveld compared to the SemiCube pedal base, it's literally a third or a quarter of the length. Well, you got to admit the SemiCube tray is massive, and and a lot of that, a good, the front third of it is a heel plate, a place to put you know rest your heel, and it's a nice, you know, it's not too small. I mean, it's, it's nice and and big. All right, Mackenzie, I'm looking at this next one, and I know uh, teammate Bobby is often I'm actually I've seen his stream back it's pretty neat because you can see the keys and ch stuff change but this one's even neater uh with the buttons and such yeah so hybrid racing simulations they uh put an Instagram post on here and um they have a do-it-yourself kit for a steam deck so it looks like they created a steam deck with no labels or anything on it and you just get to build it the way you want to well, it's a housing that goes around the Steam Deck is what they're selling that has additional buttons on it uh, off to the left. Yeah, and a Steam Deck, instead of labels, there's, those are actually, those actually light up. They're little mini LECD screens, basically. And they can be programmed to be different, you know, depending on what car or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, you can I, move to different pages and stuff for different options. I think a Stream Deck's going to be my next upgrade. What do you think about an enclosure for it like this? It's almost like a no-brainer. How do you mount it? Oh, you can mount anything. But this seems like a no-brainer. Uh, if, I, if I were to run a stream deck, I would definitely want a, an additional six buttons, a rotary knob. It looks like you got three rotaries, so 
I mean, heck. Rotaries are important. I think I think volume control is very important. Like separate volume for the main, separate for the the LFE, separate for the spotter, separate for team speak, separate for the drivers, and you mix them like an audio mixer, like David is, and you mix them all where you you get the right levels, you know. And so it's important to have knobs for that. Yeah, when we're not doing the show, I can just go do that after the fact, right? With with Pro Tools. You definitely need that for. I've done live shows too, or even we even use the sound system out on the marching field now with some some wireless mics, and we're you know mixing it just just like a like you do with sound. You got to balance everything once you start using electronics. That probably took me the longest to figure out is the sound in eye racing, getting the tires to hear them right, getting the chat to hear over the engines. Yeah, the first trick, Being, even yeah. going all the way back to uh, R Factor days before I started iRacing, racing, was it was that I was given was turn that engine down, turn the tires up, so you know how much you're scrubbing them. I tell you what, a butt kicker under your butt will give you the same sensation, so you don't have to turn it up that much. Yeah, um, it's even better to double them up when you feel that the wheels squeaking. You know that you can feel it. That's what's cool. Yeah, do users ever overheat and shut off for a while? Yeah, you just turn it down one notch and hope next time it doesn't shut off. That's kind of how I figured out where the balance is. Yeah, but boy, isn't it really discomforting when it suddenly happens? And it's like, oh yeah, like you're driving blind. All right, Mike, what do we got next? Some kind of hydraulics, it looks like. Yeah, the Mecca Evo One hydraulic pedals. Carl Gosling reviews this on his channel. he, yeah, I mean, he had a little problem with the fit and the finish. Uh, I think there were some rough edges, a little, a couple little spots, but he he did like the industrial look of it. Like the little hydraulic cylinder is on a a, a hose, and you mount that separately uh, from where the pedal is. You mount it like up again on your eighty twenty uh, somewhere, and and it disconnects to the brake by a hose. So it's got a different look to it than a lot of hydraulic pedals where all the hydraulic stuff is like right behind the pedal. It doesn't, it doesn't look like that. Um, and it's got a really large brake pedal face, which is a little unusual. Usually you don't see ones that are full foot. Um, but this one pretty much is. Yeah. That is an interesting choice to have the, have the hydraulic unit completely separate. Uh, the simu, the sim coach's design, it's, it, it's attached as a unit, but it sits off to the side not behind. Yeah. Just, I'm curious about you mounting that somewhere other than the pedal. Like, uh, and it, I don't know, uh, they do use the same, a lot of the same hardware as the sim coaches pedals use and the same pressure sensor as well. I noticed was the same, uh, same wheelwood, um, master cylinder. Um, but the, pe- the, the pedal faces look opposite. Like, I, like, I think I want the, the longer face for the accelerator and the shorter one, obviously for the brake. You know, I was thinking that looked weird, Donnie. Now that you say that, I think Carl has got those on backwards. He may. I, I think he's <laughs> just holding the pedals in the wrong way right now. Oh, I think okay. the, I think the one with the is. long one is the accelerator. Okay, I see the hose. Break. I see it now. The hose take, is off to the right. Take a look around minute eight, and you can see him see with his feet on it. I can't believe he's doing it with socks. There's, the hydraulics, it's so heavy. So these are for sale. I found them on Advanced Sim Racing. 
dot com for $941, US for two pedals. That's not terrible, price-wise. It actually is terrible. That's like high-end load cells. It's a hydraulic, true hydro. I mean, that's a sub-1,000 hydraulic pedal set. So it doesn't, I mean, you still have to get a base plate to go with it or have a, a proper base plate. But yeah, check it out. Now, in the same story, uh, or, or uh, Carl, in a separate video, he reviews the same company's sequential shifter. I was excited, and Mike. <laughs> what do you think of this one? I was excited until I wasn't, but um, I'm sorry to cut you off back there. But um, it's uh, it looks like it has a lot of potential, a lot of promise. But what he didn't like about it, and I don't know if you you probably agree with me, Mike, but uh, he said it didn't have a lot of action when you went forward and back. It was more like a spring. It was very soft. It didn't have that mechanical feel you'd want from a from a shifter. And he actually said his he gets a lot more feedback and he enjoys his Fanatec in sequential mode over this thing, even though just looking at this this thing looked like it had a lot of potential. I, I like how long it is, tall it is. I mean, it, you really get a lever to, to yank on kind of thing. So, yeah, the look of it looks pretty cool, but does it function? Yeah, I mean, I almost got the impression, Carl, was, you know, it almost feels like a, a handbrake, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, he did You're just moving that. this thing back and forward, and it's pushing a button, you know, kind of thing. Well, I wonder if it's also the reason it feels so soft is because it's so tall, because you've got so much leverage. Yeah, see if you can see the the back of it where those springs are. So the springs are in the front and the back of this pivot point, and they're hitting two micro switches when the lever goes back and forth. So you probably, I don't know if you'd hear that because he said there's no sound to it at all, but you can hear the when he depresses the micro switches, you can hear the click, 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 click. So, but yeah, he doesn't get any mechanical feel to it whatsoever. I think that's why I like my Russian shifter so much. It feels like I'm shifting a car. Like when I drop it into gear, it's got a feel to it. Like you can feel this this mechanical click, you know, like it's dropping into gear. All right, Justin, we've got an update concerning force feedback for Logitech wheels, particularly the DD Pro or Pro DD. Yeah, uh, Stafford Dave Tucker explains the 360 hertz force feedback update on the new build. And like you said, it's for the Logitech Pro DD. Yeah, and he just gives some more information about what this is. And so I, I wanted just to read a quote of it, but he said, basically, we run our physics at 60 hertz, but internally, we run the physics in an inner loop at 360 hertz. So we actually can't update the wheel more than 60 times a second, although we do have data points available at 360 hertz. So this is a backdoor that allows us to send that 360 hertz signal to the wheel 60 times a second. Then the wheel firmware can play back those samples with the appropriate delays to recreate the 360 hertz signal. This adds 16 milliseconds of latency, but gives a nice kick in frequency. It is a trade-off. And he goes on to say later in the thread, it, don't fool with turning this on if you don't have a Logitech wheel. Uh, if your wheel bases in the future support this in the firmware, iRacing will uh, adjust automatically is what he basically said. That's a, that's a tough choice. To, uh, the higher fidelity or the, or the, the lag. 16 milliseconds is a lot of milliseconds, right? Yeah. 
I just I know I wonder what that's going to do to your timing um, on the feeling. Is this why the Logitech force feedback feels so wonderful to so many people when it came out because of this uh, this particular feature? I would suppose only if it's running on a sim other that supports it, because it would not be the case with iRacing until they added this back door. No, it's been added already, David. Yeah, but how long ago? This post is March, um, March 6th. It was the last major release, I think. So was it? the question is, was it added when everybody was doing their reviews or were they not using iRacing? Well, I, you're right. The timing of those reviews were before this was released. All right. What about this uh, next cockpit review, Mike? Advanced Sim Racing ASR4 cockpit review. Will Ford from Boosted Media reviews a very popular cockpit these days, the ASR4. He has a lot of good things to say about it. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone has anything bad to say about advanced sim racing. Um, they got quite a, a product. It, it's pretty much a P1X, you know, clone from SimLab, you know, SimLab clone. Um, you know, they have their own little tweaks to it and different things. But um, yeah, I, I know Greg bought an ASR3. Um, Justin, I think you have uh, ASR. No, I got a track racer, the TR-160. All those, the TR-160, the ASR, um, the Sim Labs, those are all pretty much the same cockpits. High quality. Yeah, he did nothing bad to say about it, really. The one thing that, uh, now I want to say one thing that Will Ford was focused on was the powder coating. And that's one thing that Advanced Sim Racing does is they, they offer powder coating colors, when they first came out, they had some real flashy red and orange uh, colors. Um, they, I think they have a blue and so forth. But Will was concerned about how, how does that live up you know, to, to rough use, like him taking wheels on and off the thing over and over and, and, and uh, you know, putting T-nuts and tightening T-nuts down on the 80-20 channel does does the T-nut not fit in just right because of the powder coating, add a little bit of thickness to it? And, and so his conclusion was it works. Uh, he, his uh, concerns were unfounded, um, at least in the short term. Uh, long term, you know, that's to be seen. But at this point, he says the powder coating uh, seems to be uh, good to go. Yeah, I have the ASR6 with powder coating, and I was nervous about the same thing. But uh, so far, so good. I have one nick that I dropped an Allen key on when I was building. It hit right on the corner. Other than that, um, no scratches yet. I do notice when you put the T-nuts in, and if you're using a little bit bigger of a um, of a bolt that you should, it will go into the aluminum and obviously go through the powder coating. But if you're careful on that, you should be good to go. I have zero scratches, and I'm on this thing nightly. You have no uh, negative thoughts about your rig? Now the inverted pedal tray is is fantastic. It's it's a mod like this thing does not move whatsoever. And I was watching Will's video and specifically looking for movement, and you just don't see it. I mean, that's why we buy these things. That's that's why the eighty twenty works so well because you got to put that wheelbase and the pedals and the seat in a place where they never move, never, not even a millimeter. 
Yeah, and Mackenzie, I think you were asking what should be your first upgrade. I think uh, pedals and rig go hand in hand, but uh, you just got to get something that's rock solid that's, like Mike's saying, not going to move. You guys keep mentioning 8020. Um, 8020 is just about six miles down the road from me. Is that 8020.net? Yeah, the, the main facility. Oh. Yeah, if you can pick up for them, great. They wanted to charge like half a body to ship. Um, so I found tnuts.com, T-N-U-T-Z.com, and their, their shipping is incredible. And you can order whatever piece you want and that cut at whatever specific length you want. Yeah, the same with the 8020. And um, get with Bobby, PM him because he designs rigs. He's got a whole, he's got software. Boom, you can make your own custom rig. Yeah, I was able to make my monitor up. mount by measuring and cutting. I was just blown away how perfect it came out. Is that, monitor mount. is that cheaper than buying a Prius made one from a manufacturer? If you can pick it up, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Because the shipping, shipping will be a couple of hundred bucks. Especially, yeah. especially if you get something like like uh, uh, Sim Labs out of Germany, that was that was some expensive shipping. So, when I was building my rig and I had to build my my inverted pedal uh, setup, I bought the uh, the metal and everything from McMa McMaster Car is the name of it. McMaster Car, super expensive. I don't know why I bought it from them. They were they were a lot of money, but it was good stuff. I added my shelf for the um, butt kicker controls uh, from eighty twenty pieces. Just, just you know, easy little triangle to, or box to make, and um, a sheet of aluminum from the air condition local air conditioner guy in in my the town I work in. He just gave me a free sheet of aluminum. I do like when you go to these uh, other parties for the extrusion their brackets or corner brackets are you can get some really nice ones that'll be pretty sturdy because for my monitor mount it's kind of floating and the only thing holding it up are two corner brackets and that thing is i can stand on it and use it as a ladder if i had to all right well i'm gonna go ahead and move us on to the next thing we've got an old rouge evo button box this is uh, presented by custom sim engineering it runs 209 euros and it's similar to the dsd designs where it actually attaches to the base um what's kind of the notable difference between this one and the dsds for me is that it comes out and then has a more of a vertical design instead of a horizontal design so it's a little bit less wide and taller I like those, it, yeah. I, I actually looking at it, it looks fantastic. But what are the what is the button box under the wheel? No, you're just seeing the one on the other side. So there's there's a left and a right. <laughs> and... You're right. <laughs> now I almost when I had the Fanatec DD one, I almost bought a Rouge button boxes. I really preferred these over the Derek Spears, mainly for what David just said. It goes out and it goes down. It's more of a vertical. And you can get one for both sides or just one side. Um, I had, I was like, had it in the, in the shopping cart at one point and I was going to buy it. And I'm, I'm kind of glad I did it at this point. But uh, if you have a DD one, this is a, something you definitely want to look at. Yeah. The price isn't, price isn't terrible, but I'm looking at all the buttons right now. And I saw all those on Amazon when I was building my own, they're all the same standard buttons and switches and, encoders not that anything's wrong with that that's just how you know they're all probably the same anyway yeah. custom sim engineering.com 
And don't forget, I think they're the ones that have the really cool wheels too. All right, Mac, what about this MPI oval wheel? Yeah, um, MPI, it's an MPI oval wheel. It's uh, got quick release and it's got some buttons on it. It's from Sim Seats. It's uh, $699. Um, it's a it's a 14 inch wheel, and I did look it up. And NASCAR runs from 15 to 16 inches, so I know Mike. I know I know Mike's been looking for an oval wheel, but I don't think this one's big enough for him. I know I know you were wanting a bigger one. Yeah, yeah. Steve Thompson uh, sent this in to us uh, when I was asking the team about getting a new oval wheel, and this is what he recommended. Now, for for one, this is way overpriced. I mean they took an MPI wheel that maybe cost two or $300. They added three buttons on each side and a quick release and turned it into a $700 wheel. So I think this is a rip off for one. Uh, second, I'll probably buy a Max Pappas wheel direct from MPI or some other uh, reseller like Jegs. Like I'll buy it from Jegs or some other auto parts uh, distributor kind of places where I'll probably buy it, where you can get it for MSRP. Now, MPI does sell a 15 inch wheel, but it's uh, specifically a late, uh, late model or street stock wheel is what they call it. Maybe it was a late model wheel. And so that's probably the one I'm gonna get, uh, but it's about $300. So it's on my list. I bought a, my oval rim off eBay, brand new for 40 bucks. It doesn't have a fancy MPI logo on it, but it's a deep dish 14, um, 14 inches. I don't understand the $700. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's way high. There are some guys in NASCAR that will run a 13-inch rim if they're particularly smaller. You'll get those on road courses, right, and, and that short too. tracks. That too, but I know like um, – I'm pretty sure Danica actually ran a 13 just cause she was more used to the, the indie style wheel anyway. Hey, you know, you bring that up. Um, I was listening to Connor Daly's podcast and he said he, the last time he was in the car he ran at Daytona was the car he ran at the Roval, which had a 13 inch wheel. And people were telling him you're insane to run Daytona with a 13 inch wheel. So he had to actually go out and buy a, a 15 inch wheel. Yeah. I, oh, I my, my Porsche is only 13 inches, but I compensate by, that's one of the reasons I like to turn my steering ratio so low. It's because that effectively makes it feel more like a 15-inch wheel as far as how fast it travels. Yeah, and it's what you're used to. Like if if I try to touch my son's Logitech, like I just can't. I don't even want to do it. It's just it's a toy. Yeah, uh, I have a small frame too, so it it fits me. So when I was just looking for steering wheels on Google, like Google Shopping, 99% of them are 13 and a half inches. Yeah, if you type in 15 inches, you'll get 14. Right. So 15s are actually pretty rare to find. Uh, like I did, I, I did find one MPI one that was specifically for late model. And that's probably the one I'm going to target. I, I do feel like I want to get a bigger one um, for oval racing. So we'll see. Well, we got another formula wheel, Mike. <laughs> this one is a mouthful. Almium Aerospace AMUSR offers the AMU SR formula racing wheel. And, uh, wow. 
this is a spaceship looking kind of thing a, a different kind of design it's it's a formula wheel but with the display really jet juts up out of the top of it uh, i you know the display really sticks up i guess is a way to look at it it's got double paddles on the back uh semi cube uh quick release built in what do you think of that paddle spacing david um it's that looks pretty st- standard i mean because that's how far apart mine are since i have three paddles right um yeah it looks it i don't know if it's just the dimensions but it all looks a little bit too spread out to me like the buttons it, it looks too tall I, I, for, to me i think they're gonna drop that screen down a tad now i found their website al a l m i u n dot e s and i think the dot e s means they're from spain and that particular wheel sells for 699 euros. They have some other uh, stuff too. They got some button boxes. They got a uh, a stream deck surround. Wow, that surround looks pretty cool too. It's got buttons on both sides. Yeah, it's not a terrible price for, for one with a display for sure. I just, when I look at it, it looks, I guess, odd. I don't have no house to explain it. You know, it looks 3D printed almost. I think it might be because in their Instagram post there, they got a lot of hashtags saying 3D printed. Right. I noticed that too. Yeah. But uh, you're right. For a, that's a good price for a formula price, a uh, formula wheel with a display because normally the display knocks the price up quite a bit. So why would you want your uh, SIM seat to actually recline with what I'm looking at here? What do you think, Donnie? You know, being new to it a couple of years ago, I was looking at reclinable seats and I, it didn't make any sense to me. So I op- opted not to get one. I actually bought a cheap Jegs, like $40 plastic molded seat. Um, but yeah, I mean, have you guys ever ran in an inclined seat? But this is from Bridge Moto GT. It's a GTS seat and it has recline. It's pink. I'm sure you can get other colors. Uh, but yeah, if you want a reclining seat for those long endurance races, lay back a little. But yeah, I don't get it either, David. Yeah, so, it, w- it wouldn't work for converting to to the to uh, say a formula style wheel, which is just a completely different shape. You would have to lift the the seat portion and incline that as well. Yeah, and you have to open the so angle up a little too. My original Obuto Revolution rig had a reclining seat as uh, built in as part of it, and um, I don't think i ever really used the reclining portion like once i found the right angle i never touched it now later in the life of that rig it turned out to be a detriment because there's like some kind of post in the back of the seat on either side that holds it in place as you move it you know recline it well the one on the one side on the left side broke or something so i could always feel the left side of the seat kind of trying to recline and the right side of the seat was holding it up. And so it had like a weird angle to it almost because it was broken. So I don't know if it's a good idea, but were you running hydraulics at the time? No, nothing like that. Maybe if you used your rig outside of sim racing, if you maybe did work from home or played another game of some sort, make it more comfortable. Well, that's the thing. I worked in that rig for a long time. I was, you know, I would do work in there because because the Obuto had a keyboard tray. It would swing out 
and swing around in front of you. So you, I would push the seat all the way back, maybe lay back a little bit and have that keyboard tray in front of me, you know? So, yeah. All right. Tell us about this next one, Justin. Yeah. Uh, SimuTrack is offering a racing simulator that takes real world driving data from your own Porsche race car or Porsche road car to get you as close as possible to your own real world, real world racing experience. So when you get back to the real track, all of the virtual training will pay off in racing performance improvements. And it looks, it looks like we got a cockpit here with an ultra wide and a formula wheel. And so this is very specific to Porsche, I, I guess, and we're jumping a little bit out of the iRacing world, but talk about definitely crossing over between real life and, and, uh, in the sim world, there's a big community of Porsche drivers who race even, uh, even just roadster cars. They'll, they'll go out and ra and race those as kind of gentleman drivers or actual, you know, guys that'll jump into the proper sports car. That's, that's actually built as a race car. So this ain't no normal cockpit. Okay. This is, it looks like a jet ski. I mean, it's got body parts. It's got side pods, you know, it's got a big old number, you know, racing number on the side of the side pod. So very attractive looking, sleek, modern. Uh, the website shows they start at 25,000 euros. Includes all the hardware, software, including data analytics and racing recommendations, racing coaches, and you become part of our community. Yeah, this is going to be something that a company is going to buy for their lobby or a dealership's going to put in there and in, inside their dealership for attract customers or yeah. I don't know if a normal sim racer picks this up. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have any advantage unless you have a Porsche. There would be a, no other reason to get this. Yeah. There's no, I mean, you couldn't customize it, you know, like, Oh, I want to add a, a handbrake or I want to do this or that. I, I don't think you could even use it to run iRacing. I think this is, you know, this is a completely different set of software and everything. That's true. Maybe it, you, you're right. The seat looks horribly uncomfortable, super thin, no padding, but very modern looking. Now, somebody said, David, they were in the market for a H pattern shifter recently. And man, I hope they waited to buy until they hear this next story. Yeah, this is interesting. Have you looked? Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and read it out. It's the Bash Pro Active H Shifter, and so it's this is actually active. So it's got, I guess, it's got motorization in it instead of just just mechanics and sensors. Um, and it's the first shifter that's using gate a gate locking feature, which is powered by real time game. I guess that means you can't if the you you can't move it without popping the clutch. This is cool. I mean. We talked about the active pedals, and now we have an active shifter, basically. It kind of is the same premise where it's got, it says, this is the first active shifter with actual servo motor to unlock the gear slots only with the clutch and can be the perfect tool for polishing real driving skills. It can be used as dog box and sequential shifter as well, and can be trained for each individual car and open the gear slots in specific RPM windows. This just might be my thing. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much only run sequential nowadays, but 
yeah, that would be pretty cool, especially if it really locked into place and wouldn't let you move it until until you uh, actually get it out of gear. So let me say this again. It's an H pattern and it's a sequential. That's what sold me. It's already Almost. sold out. Sold out. $1,029. Okay, now it's I just, from the that UK. just unsold me. There's 90 people on the waiting list. <laughs> you can join the waiting list. And so uh, the video is from Race Beyond Matter, a very popular YouTube uh, sim racer. And he, I have a hard time understanding his language. Um, I mean, he speaks English, but I, his accent, I can't understand it very well. But he had some amazing things to say about this. I mean, he ran it. He showed, uh, you know, him using it and stuff. And it looks, it looks awesome. He's one of my favorite content sim racing creators. I like him a lot. He's got so much passion for this hobby slash sport. Right. And you can feel it, that passion, Justin, when he talks about this shifter for sure. Do we need a whole lot of electronic in a sequential shifter? I don't know. The force, the clutch. I mean, what it it does is it forces the clutch usage, right? Well, that's not an issue in, in sequential shifting um, as much as as uh, H pattern. So that gives you more of the features for for H pattern when you so so that you actually have to to, uh, you know, clutch it to get it to move. I'm curious about this company's choice of colors and their choice of calling it active. Semi-cube must have not have um, trademarked that active pedal term and, and the colors. The orange look, yeah. yeah. I honestly thought it wasn't real when I first glanced through it. I thought, oh, it's like a, a spoof. Somebody's making fun of them. Well, would active pedal carry over to active clutch? Because then any then that would mean Simicum owns active everything. Yeah, can, that's true. I don't think you can trademark just the word active. Oh, you're right. So it says here it's got truck simulator mode. The Bash Pro will change into truck mode on starting Euro Truck Simulator or American Truck Simulator. Depending on the type of gearbox selected in the game, the shifter will not allow moving the stick into non-existing gear positions. Floating gears or shifting without clutch is possible when advanced H-shifter mode is selected in the in-game options. He'd want that if you're running the old cup car because you could shift without the clutch. You just had to get off the gas. It has a built-in OLED screen on the Bash Pro for a custom SIM hub plug-in. You can easily switch between H dog box, H sync, or sequential electronic shifting. Well, that's at the top of my wish list, but it's high, so I'd have to. I'll have to think about it for a while. You need new goggles before you need that, don't you? No. Um... I've, all I got to do with these right now is unplug them and plug them a couple of times. But I, I have a theory that I may have figured them out because yesterday it came right on. I think what I need to do is make sure that I close Steam VR before I close Windows Mixed Reality. I'll I'll find out after the race or after the after the show, um, after and after I finish editing if that's the case or not. We've got time for one more probably. Yeah, and it's a Sim Racer Hub update um no, so, you missed one. Oh, i did i was I, I read it and thought about it and what we have mac is a dsd spring blowout cell 
Yeah, so this is uh, Derek Spears Designs. It's having a spring 2023 blowout sale on button boxes and wheels. Yeah, pretty cool. And he basically shows in the video the button box that's for sale. He tells what the rate is and say, hey, it's got to go, go, go. So, like, if you want that particular button box, you just literally hit him up and buy it. Some it's of like, these bigger you know, button boxes are, are pretty impressive. Like around one fifteen, look how many buttons are on that, on that box. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, huh? I like that one because it has a wood front, but I really like the ones with the carbon fronts too. He has some boxes that are like hot pink too. <laughs> like, if you really want a hot pink button box, boy, he's got it. He's also selling that new uh, wheel, that oval rim button that we talked about about a month ago. So I'm curious why that one's got to go. You strap it onto your wheel, yeah. yeah. And at the end, he's showing off some formula DSD wheels, uh, formula wheels that he's put together. So if you're a fan, it's a good time to buy DSD. I think he's just trying to get inventory moving. I don't think it's like he has just one of each of those items. I think this is just stuff that he's ready to go ahead and move. Phil, wasn't that uh, yellow thumb oval rim attachment, wasn't that new? Like one of the newer items? Yeah, I think so. I think it's about six months old now. The idea was you would strap it, like I would buy an MPI wheel and I would strap it to it. But then what about the cabling? That's the thing that we hated about it. Like, oh, you got to have a cable, USB cable coming off the your wheel rim and it's floating around and yeah, ugly. I would just think the joystick part would break off if you just nicked it on something. All right. Well, like we said, that was a big, uh, pretty big, hefty uh, hardware section. Thank you. Thanks again to Metro Ford for sponsoring it. All right, Mike, it's results time. The NASCAR iRacing Series Friday Open Phoenix P3. Wow. I had a great car. Ran second most of the race. I got cycled back on pit strategy and got wrecked, but no damage. Was on a different tire strategy than the leader. Uh, there were too many cautions at the end for me to get back up there. I uh, got P3, I, I did, didn't have enough laps to catch him. This is the same guy who won, who uh, won all week at Phoenix in my splits in fixed and open. And uh, I thought I had something for him because I was on the newer tires and he wasn't, but. The constant cautions were just killing me. Um, but man, I'll take a P3. That actually ties my best finish of the year in NIS Open. So uh, I'll take it. Tony Rochette, P5, had a good car, missed uh, just a caution fest. Greg got a P2. Donnie, P29. Yeah, I ran that one with you. Uh, qualified right behind you. I think it was lap two. I went through the dog leg and I got a little loose. The guy to my left corrected me. And then I, from there, it was just a, a terrible race. I That was my incident. I, you know, that was my, my wreck. But after that was just getting doored by people trying to cut the dog leg right next to me. And every time I'd get doored, no damage. I just get a four X and ultimately by the end of it, I was uh, DQ'd. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm attributing that to being my fault completely for just being afraid to go through the dog leg. So I changed that up for Sunday. All right. Justin, 11. Yeah, I started um, 
35th, I, I raced with one of our team members, Tyler. Um, the very first run lasted 20 laps. It was a good little run, got the first caution. Then after that, um, it was just a caution fest after caution. Then once we got going, I remember I got hooked in turn three, took a little front end damage, but I still had speed, lap down. But like I said, it was caution after caution. Got that, got back on the lead lap real quick. We went to green white, took all three green white checkers actually, but eventually just inched up and made it 11th. Right. Yeah, Tyler Williamson ran. I don't know where he finished, but uh, he was he finished the race, right? He was just a couple positions behind me, I believe. Okay. All right, Sunday open. Tony Rochette P4. Man, that was probably the most fun I've ever had at Phoenix. Ran in VR for the first time since the middle of last year. Didn't have my spotter sound set up, so I had to pit from fourth on the first caution. Slowly made my way back up front to where I did. The only stop I had for tires on lap 90. Ended up leading some laps. Just about everyone pitted about 15 laps after I did, and I stayed out. Led some more laps and had a couple of guys pass me on fresh, but towards the end of the race, I was gaining and passing them back. That was fun, was fighting for second or third at the end, but screwed up passing him when I misjudged where a car was on my rear and stayed a little too high, not knowing if I was clear or not. That would have been a podium, good clean racing today. Now I have four top tens in the NIS Open at Phoenix in the last five years. Tom Dryling, P5, was able to work my way up after starting 25th. Late cautions hurt me as everyone does that land rush restart, but I'll take two top fives this week. Donnie, P10. Yeah, so this was much better. Mike, if you remember ours, I think we had 20 cautions on Friday night. Uh, this race, we had two cautions for five laps uh, for the whole race. I cut the dog leg. I was ashamed of myself for not being able to do that Wednesday night. Uh, finished P10. I had a great run. I ended that race with zero incidents um, and three top tens in the first four races of the season so far. So I'm happy with that. All right, nice top 10. Justin, P6. Yeah, um, I started 18th, ran half the race um, mid-pack, trying to stay out of trouble. I did the same like the rest. I cut the dog leg and it bit me. I locked him up, just nicked the front end. Um, my wheel was at 11 o'clock the whole time. But I, like I said, I still had speed, but there were so many cautions. I had three minutes of repair. I got it all buttoned back up. Um, 19 cautions all together. Um, then the pit, and then um, green, white checkered, and then stayed in the same spot as um, sixth place. This is my best finish with joining you guys. So I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you were leading laps at one point, right? Yeah, I led there and then I led on my last one too. I just, I haven't been able to put a race together from start to finish. There's always been a hiccup. So one day. Oh, and you you got a pole too, didn't you? Uh, well, I got, else. well, I got a third yesterday. I qualified third, but I led most of the race yesterday. But obviously that ended bad, so... No, I'm thinking of McKenzie. So McKenzie, uh, you got a P16. Yeah, so I, I felt like I had a pretty quick car. I felt like I was running good, but this, this race was just full of cautions. 
I, uh, I had a lot of accident problems, kept going down laps, working my way back up. So uh, for the last restart, I think there was, I think it was a green white checkered. I ended up being on the lead lap uh, P11. Uh, the guys in front of me started going and then they all checked up. And when I checked up, the guy behind me, he didn't, ran right into the back of me. And I got a black flag for too many incident points. So I ended up finishing P16 down. I think it was three laps. Sunday fixed, I got a P6. I ran top five pretty much all day, as high as second. Could never get to that one leader who won all week long. Uh, I had old tires at the end and faded a bit. Uh, McKenzie, P11. Yeah, so this is, I think this has been my best finish for sure. Uh, I was actually running top five most of that race. We got to 15 laps left and uh, I got wrecked. Can't Can't really remember how it happened, but I got a lot of damage and couldn't even finish the rest of the race so i ended up p11 down 10 laps oh there must have been a lot out for you to get 11th and be still wrecked moving on to atlanta dega as i call it tony rochette p8 man what a shit show i like super weight super speedway racing and i like mile and a half but this bastard of a track was not fun Started fifth, ended up getting screwed on a restart behind second and fell to the back when he didn't go and I got a train ran on me. Couldn't make it back up front because no one knew how to draft. At the end with 15 to go, we had green flag stops and I stayed out and bam, caution and P3. The wrecked car was slowly taking his time and I had to avoid pit road and try to avoid a black flag. But had to pit under clothes and still got the black flag. Got it served and another caution came out with two to go on the green, was stuck behind lap car so never had a shot for a top 10 till the field wrecks at the checker p8 justin p3 well i started p3 um oh. i stayed in the top five uh, most i will half the race and i was going on the outside um tom one of our teammates was in this race with me and um i got all the way on the outside and i was to his right rear and he either floated or threw a late block pinched me tore my car up bad i was two laps down but but luckily i think i was car 36 so i was i only lost like two ir so i'll take it um i mean he was in a i watched the end of his race the last restart he went to the outside by himself on the, and made it three wide and was passing for the lead with like coming to the one to go when uh, somebody got hooked below him and they all got wiped out. So it was it's, it was a bad, I mean, it was a good run for Tom, but he wasn't able to finish. My race, I got wrecked out. I was taking it easy, running top 10 all race. I eventually took the lead on 30 to go. Perfect, that's exactly what I wanted. We're just riding on the outside, leading. The guy pushing on the bottom floats up into the top lane, destroys all of us, destroys the pack, wrecked out. But it felt good that I was in position to win. I was right where I wanted to be. McKenzie, P13. Here's the poll yeah. I was talking about. Yeah, so I, I did actually take the poll on this. I was I was car 31, so I was pretty surprised at that. I, uh, I led the first 25 laps of the race and then stayed top three uh, for the first 60. And then uh, I was down on the inside lane and the guy on the outside kind of hip checked me and I just slid into the bottom wall and then broke the broke something in the front wheel 
I only got a 2x for it, so I didn't hit that hard, but it was still five minutes required damage. I ended up uh, running back up. I got on the lead lap, but I needed some tires, so I went to go pit, and just as I was about to go in, pit lane closed, so I got a black flag and had to do a stop and go. So I ended up finishing P13. Staying in it, though, is getting you the, some better results than if you just left. David, you got a great finish, P3. Yeah, everybody's talking about Caution Fest, and ours almost didn't end up being that way. Uh, I did my usual qualifying in the 20s, and then we had long, we went, actually, we went all the way to 17 laps to go green. So in the, in the green flag stops, I was still with the main pack, um, even though we had gotten separated because a guy came across my nose and on lap one, uh, we were able to run the main pack back down. They were side drafting a little bit too much. Uh, we caught them and stayed with them until green flag pit stops. And after green flag, flag pit stops cycled, I guess I just got, I don't know if I got a really good entry or picked the right time to pit or a lot of people had trouble, but boom, I'm 12th all of a sudden. And I ran 12th with that little pack all the way until lap 17. Um, and we'd even wiggled a few, a couple of guys had even wiggled, and I think I was up to 10th. Uh, then that caution came out, and it started turning into, a, you know, cautions breed cautions every two or three laps. And each time, I get up just a little closer and a little closer. And um, on the last start, I started third. Uh, the first two got a really good run, and I, I got a good start, too, and was kind of staying right with them. We pulled away from the pack, and it almost cost us because that, that pack got a huge run on us coming to the checkered. Uh, in fact, coming out of turn four, I had to really throw a hard block, but it was a clean block. And if it's plate racing, if it's basically plate racing, that's part of the part of the game, right? You protect the position. They got a hard run and tried to cut under me. I pulled down, and he tried to cut over me and almost, almost beat me to the line. Uh, but I held on for the third. Yeah, I jumped in your race on that last restart, David, to watch you try to win it. And uh, just like you said, those two guys broke away and, and you were with them. But uh, man, those guys were coming behind and I thought for sure they were gonna wreck you, but you just you just drove down to the apron and just put your, your, your bumper right in front of the guy's nose, basically. Yeah, it was clean enough that it, that he, well, he actually saw it coming and turned to the right and, and barely clipped my right bumper, but not hard enough to wreck me. Let's talk other official racing. Gen 4 at Homestead started 19th, got to 11th by the end of the first run. Um, 30 laps of an 80 lap race. We're running top 10 near the end. There was a wreck in front of me. Someone didn't check up and ran literally underneath me knocked me up in the air, finishing P13. Later, I ran the IR04 at Virginia. I got wrecked out on the first lap. I suck, I'm still trying to learn that track, apparently. David, you got a win at Sebring. I did, and I thought I, I thought that was last week, so. Um, maybe you didn't clear it out. Yeah, I, I didn't run any road last week, and I only ran one Phoenix, because I went, I had a the concert competition on Thursday and then ran that went out of town for the weekend so yeah didn't do any road racing okay donnie you got uh, some official racing gen 4 cup yeah i ran some gen 4 monday night at miami uh and then tuesday night as well uh first one i uh, qualified 15th finished 17th uh had a couple incidents in that one but uh, p9 the next night i feel like there's something not right with the car um 90 of the cars on track look like they're driving on a an ice covered pond 
and just looking back at the races um, 20 years ago, I mean, not everybody was losing control and almost crashing, but uh, I don't know, still a lot of fun. I'm going to continue on with the season and see how it goes. Richmond, I think, is next. Uh, and then I had a Atlanta last night uh, in the trucks, and that was kind of weird. The, the set I was using was terrible. It was too pushy tight. Um, and the cars or the trucks just couldn't keep up with each other. They couldn't bump like you would at a Talladega or Daytona, but but something's up with the, the caution system where cars are just spinning all over on the track and there's no caution. I get it. I don't get it actually. And it just breaks us up into multiple little packs. Um, so I'd like to see that cleaned up a bit. Yeah, uh, the Gen 4 Cup, I, you might be right. It's really hard to drive. Um, at Homestead, I felt like I was just hanging on, you know, just to keep the thing underneath me. So you're right. It probably shouldn't be that hard. There's something a little out of whack. I could probably correct a lot of that with um, my visor software for my, my pedal. But um, it's hard, but not hard in a uh, challenging way, I guess. It's hard in, like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's hard, like it's not supposed to be like that, I guess. Yeah, more to come on that, I hope. Other racing I ran hosted late model stock at Lanier. I thought, God, I got to try this new car. I haven't tried it. It was fun. I actually got wrecked near the end though. Then I ran Gen 4 at Michigan, started 22nd, finished P4. Then new Delara Dash at Charlotte. I actually ran it the last time on Sunday night with the old car as a send off. And of course I got wrecked out. Uh, then I ran Delara Dash at Charlotte with the new car. It was pretty crazy. Uh, that once the tires warm up, it really does stick in the corners, but the first lap or two, it's sketchy. You only have to breathe the throttle a bit. Uh, I did mention I spoke with Kevin McCarthy, uh, so I won't repeat that. The, the times I qualified with a 2.2.9 on pole, uh, leading the most laps and finished P4. And then the next day I ran the, again at Charlotte, started fifth, took the lead on lap seven, and was able to keep it and won the race. So happy to win in the jet car on an oval. I, I knew I needed to get that underneath my belt right away. There was no way I'm not gonna win in that car. So proud of that. All right, with that, we'll jump to final thoughts. David Hall. Oh, I don't have a whole lot today. Starting spring break next week, I guess. So I'll be playing around on the roads a lot more. Uh, no travel plans. I already kind of got my traveling out for the year going down to Daytona. All right, spring break. Donnie Spiker, final thought. Well, darn, sorry. Um, no, uh, ran Gen 4 this week. I enjoyed it. I've uh, got A open tonight. I'm going to run the NIS race tomorrow and Sunday. Hopefully that goes well. I got a, a, a mountain I'm hiking Sunday morning, so hopefully that all works out. I'm running the late model on Saturday and then the GT4 series Sunday night. So got a lot planned. Hopefully it all works out this weekend. Yeah, that's a busy schedule. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, don't have much this week. Um, Atlanta Dega isn't my cup of tea. I wish we had the old track layout, but you know it is what it is. I, I said that. I said that I didn't think I was going to get a good finish last week at uh, Phoenix, and ended up pulling one off later on in the week. So we'll see what happens. I didn't have a great race last night at Atlanta, but. Uh, try again Friday and uh, uh, I think David we possibly work doing Sebring this weekend I think we're trying to make that work but we'll find that out 
after or not this weekend but the following weekend um and guess what next week is road curse racing week Coda? yeah i hope they fix the track parameters they won't but i hope they're better for for cup and doesn't the new uh shorter spoiler and other changes isn't that for road course too i wonder if we're going to get that in time all right justin pearson final thoughts i'm just trying to get better at this sim um i got got my cockpit where i want it uh after all my adjustments it's it's kind of nice i can just jump in this thing turn the game on or the sim on and just go uh because usually i'd have to get in here mess with a bunch of stuff and i was always in a rush and it's starting to be enjoyable now so that's about it all right keep knocking off those finishes mackenzie stevens final thought yeah well it was it's good to get my first pull in the nis series uh i've been having some better finishes i'd still like to break at least a top 10 or top five i i'm normally right there in the running and just can't close out the race so hopefully i can close one out sometime this week and yeah all right very good my final thoughts uh wow the delara dash was pretty cool uh, unexpected surprise that we get to run the jet car in that um series now so got my win under my belt now i'm gonna run it every week i think uh with the expanded schedule uh, try to fit that in i'm planning on running gen 4 every week maybe monday night once maybe tuesday night uh maybe thursday night i don't know but um yeah kind of excited about that but also don't want to give up on my open wheel exploits uh, i ran the ir04 today i, I want to run the ft the, you know indy pro f2000 again um and and try to keep my my uh, skills up so to speak so with that hey we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the odd racers lounge podcast make sure you go to subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play facebook and twitter see you on the track